Escape from Plan A. Hey, welcome listeners. Another episode of Escape from Plan A for you. Uh, this time I'm hosting, kind of like good old days, right? Chris here with Teen. It's the two of us this time. What's up, Teen? What's going on, man? I just want to remind listeners that we're actually planning on launching a live stream. We're planning on doing it next Monday. Uh, time to be determined, but we'll we'll announce it on Twitter and Facebook and all that. But uh, just mark that on your calendar. First plan a live stream Monday, which is April. Let me check the date. It will be April 12th. Oh, also reminder, uh, please subscribe to our Patreon. If you do that, you get bonus episodes and you'll support our writers fund which we pay to our guest writers and you know make sure to leave a review uh wherever you listen uh to our podcast that always helps so always a helpful thing to do for us if you're a fan all right so today um we've been kind of heavy with the political stuff uh the last few weeks so i think this one will be well it'll still be political but um maybe a bit lighter uh not as doom and gloom perhaps we'll try we'll try yeah (laughs) yeah uh so all right First things first, uh, Teen, you and I were both in New York City. Just recently, everyone over the age of 30 has been able to get the vaccine. Of course, just because you're not eligible doesn't mean you're going to get one. I tried looking it up, uh, gave up after a day. I I don't really expect to get vaccinated anytime soon. How about you? I have an appointment, but it's like for May 20th. (laughs) And by by that point, I, I heard... You could basically just walk into like any drugstore and get it um, is the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they were gone fast. Like uh, uh, someone had posted like the, the the website by which you can start grabbing um, appointments. And they're all at like the Javits Center. Right. So this is like the mass vaccination site. And they were just like disappearing. Like you would see a list of, you know, from 930 a.m. to 630 p.m. for any given day. You'd have to press on that time period to take it. And by the time you pressed on it, it was just be like, oh, sorry, this isn't available anymore. It just kept disappearing. Um, so vaccinations, I mean, people are really trying to get them, I guess, because, uh, well, that's a good sign. But yeah, nothing nothing until like the end of May. Yeah, I've already started to see some articles uh, pop up by something like some people have like vaccine FOMO or, or some shit like that. Do, do you feel like, I don't know if I'm weird, but I don't really feel this compulsive need to get it. Maybe because I've already had COVID, so in some foolish part of my brain, I think I'm already immune. Uh, my parents don't uh, don't live here either, so I'm not as worried about them because uh, they're in a safer part of the world. Uh, and I don't know, I, I've gotten kind of used to to living like a recluse. Um, and you know I what? Think that's what, the key <laughs> is the recluse and, part. Yeah. And what like what social life I have now, um, I'm I'm pretty content with. Hey, you know, like dating's kind of picked up. Uh, I don't know if anyone of any other listeners have noticed that. We're talking I, about I, like in-person dating. Yeah. And like going. Where, so what do people do? You go out to like you eat on the sidewalk in like one of those outdoor stands. Yeah, or you can. Or? You know, you can go out for ice cream. You can go out for drinks or or dinner out on the sidewalk. Um, I mean, some people have already. I've gone out with have already gotten vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like I guess as long as I'm okay with it, it's it's all right. So. 
uh it, it's like that's kind of getting back to normal because i gotta tell you like january february i don't know if it was just me those were like some dark days it was uh i was on a real cold streak um kind mm-hmm. of uh <laughs> with uh dating and stuff but yeah. i feel like it's a sign of uh, it's like a social mark of confidence maybe that yeah that but that's also are- i mean long term in in this in the scheme of your life the you know the depths of winter during the the pandemic probably not the best time for dating <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure there were other priorities that people had, as they should have. Yeah. But yeah, so vaccines. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I heard somewhere that uh, July 4th is uh, probably the latest that everyone will get vaccinated by. I don't know if they mm-hmm. they the government got together and be like, this special day we we got to make sure it'll be embarrassing for us if you know after our nation's birthday people are still not vaccinated herself but i read somewhere that that's that's probably the i guess the absolute most worthless person in society will be vaccinated by july 4th according the, to their plans i mean people who want to get it will get it and that's going to be like 60 percent of the country yeah <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people who just don't want it mm-hmm. whatever anyway anyway i just bring up the vaccine thing because you uh shared this article with a bunch of us on the cut you, you want to talk oh, yeah. more about this <laughs> Yeah, there's not much to it. So there's this guy named, I, I really don't know how to say his name, but it's spelled huge, as in giant, huge ma. I don't know. I if thought it's for like sure this Uga was some kind something. of prank after I saw that name. Like yeah. some, somebody, somebody's like punking the cut, but no, like it, what would be, you think the the Chinese way of saying it? Like you, you, like if you don't it's know? P, if it's ping, if it's like pinging Chinese, then it's like huga mm-hmm. or something like that. Oh, okay. And his, and, All right. And Ma as a last name is almost certainly Ma, like horse. So his name is Huge Horse. <laughs> and uh, the, 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 even more connotations there that, um, yeah. Yeah. It's a very strange article. So I was like, he's, so I saw it in my Google News feed and it said, catching up with New York City's vaccine daddy. And then this close up of like this uh, Chinese uh, guy, I think he's Chinese American. And he's got sort of like a like a like a like a pimp pimp ish like mustache going on. And yeah. I was like, who's the vaccine daddy? And I looked at I read this and it was an article in the cut, and it was a profile of this guy, uh, huge ma. And he I guess made an app that helps you get a vaccine appointment. And it's just incredibly horny. Like the whole thing is just it's very horny for this guy. And I found that so not strange, but different. And uh, so I shared it just to be like, did, do people find this to be a very horny article or what's going on here? Yeah, I, I can't because I think this is their MO anyway, but I do wonder. And this is like a society wide uh, question that I think people uh, are wondering. Are, do you think the pandemic has killed people's libido or or just like held it back so much? And and now it's going to get unleashed this summer. I mean, I I honestly I think, can't tell. I think it'll get unleashed, but but what does that mean in relative terms? Probably not that much, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like it's already like society, from what I understand, is already like. Did you see that? Did you see that chart? I I don't know what the source on it is. People keep saying it's the New York Times, but it's like this chart of like how many people under the age of thirty are like. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, that came out uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, and there's it used to be see, a that- pretty marginal thing, and now it's like thirty <laughs> percent. Really yeah, true. yeah. So it's that that's why I think maybe the the lo- like the lockdown and and all this uh, social distancing has yeah. gone on for so long that 
it's just kind of kill people's spirits. Because if it had gone on for like two or three months, I could easily see everyone uh, just, you know, getting out and, and fucking or whatever. But it might have gone on so long that people are just so beat down that it'll be like, oh, uh, we even forgot what it was like to to talk to someone, let alone someone we're attracted to. So we're going to give up uh, just like, I guess, all those uh, virgins that <laughs> we oh, saw man, in that I hope graph. that's not the case. I, re- I really... <laughs> For, I'm like I'll be the Matty Glacius here. Like I really hope that Americans don't turn into, uh, don't turn turn into just like asexual hermits because of this. Yeah, we we uh, shall see. Maybe maybe in this very you know it's been a pretty bad last few years for for people, but maybe this summer can be kind of the one shining moment before I'm sure something bad will happen again. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine told me about a friend of his who was uh, seeing a couple of uh, a couple of women, and he was he liked both of them, but he was also hoping that this summer would would essentially just be like a giant orgy of some sort. And I guess he w- he wasn't sure how to tell tell these people he was seeing. And I said, this is like a once in a century excuse where you could say, hey, you know, we just came out of a pandemic. I'm sorry, I just I just gotta. I just got to fuck around, you know? It's like- I don't know why people would be shy about that. I mean, the <laughs> cut, look, the cut is, uh, so it was written by, I think, a young woman, uh, Sanjita Singh. And it's just, it starts off incredibly horny. It's the first warm day of the year in New York. One of those where the air smells of daffodils and everything feels stickier and a bit sexier than it ought to. The advent of spring after the city's unforgiving winter is always a horny time. And this year, after 13 months of pandemic living, the effect has been magnified a million times over. So this is a young woman writing about the, what you're talking about, saying, no, this is going to be an incredibly horny summer. Yeah, uh, just a few weeks ago, I had I bought something online and I had to go uptown to pick it up. And it, you know how the weather's been really topsy-turvy in New York City? Yeah, it was like, uh, like really cold a couple days ago, and it's yeah. The today. last week yeah. has been quite cold, but the the couple of weeks before that were actually quite warm. So this uh, on this day, I went out in my winter coat, not realizing that everyone outside was wearing t shirts because it was that kind of weather. I think it was in kind of like the the mid sixties or something. Yeah, this is classic. This is the classic transition confusion in New York City. Yeah, and mm. and I I think normally people would have been out, you know, with light jackets and stuff, but I think people were just so eager for it to be summer like mind you it's still like it wasn't even april then it was like still like mid-march uh, but i think um yeah we're just so desperate for it to be warm and outdoorsy and uh and like sexy again because yeah. it's been the most uh just you know it's killer mojo uh to say yeah. the least for the last year it it's is been- hilarious though like in 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 april where in new york you'll be someone that's dressed like it's 30 32 degrees and they're they've got a parka on and a hat mm-hmm. and then next to them is a person in in short sleeves and a t-shirt uh, <laughs> uh shorts and t-shirt uh and that's that's just every april it's just freaking confusing uh but I think it's the it's the white people that come out first with the shorts. <laughs> I mean, they're they're you see people white people rocking shorts in like late Feb. Yeah, I had uh, a roommate. My roommate in college of all four years was this guy from New Hampshire. And uh, hey, if you're listening, uh, what's up? <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll withhold your name for various reasons uh, in case you don't want me to say it. But he would never 
wear anything but shorts. Like even in in the you know we were in a really cold part of the country, and in the winter it would get really cold, and he would go jogging in his shorts. And yeah. nothing says like, global north like wearing shorts in February. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, this was a. I I don't know what to say about this article other than it's a straight Asian dude. It's incredibly horny. It talks about he's an app tech. He's a tech bro. He's pro-vax. He's got a cat. He watches Bridgerton. <laughs> the Bridgerton thing. Like I don't yeah. know what that was supposed to signal. I think it's that he's he's a swirler. He, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's like he's into kind of like romance novel stuff. Like he doesn't. He's the kind of woke dude who doesn't look down on that. And hey, maybe he'll he'll watch it or read it with you. Yeah. Anyway, it's a nice it's a nice sign of hope uh, for the uh, for the spring for all the uh, Asian guys out there. Uh, <laughs> Is it just me? This guy kind of gave off uh, Godfrey Gao uh, vibes. I mean, God rest his soul. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe it's like the the facial hair. Yeah, I think and, it's and the, Godfrey uh, Gao, but not as unrealistic. Uh, well, yeah, Godfrey Gao was just like a he was literally a male model. Guy. So yeah. yeah, this guy looks like an actual person on the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Uh, uh, props the huge horse for getting his. <laughs> well done. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything more to say about this? I just thought it was. I just thought it was something new. I've not seen something like this before. Uh, we'll link it. It's it's just it's just funny and weird. Yeah, I mean there there was the part where he said he took it took the TurboVax uh, thing down for a couple of days in protest. That's his app, right? Yeah. Uh, or for his, or his application. Yeah. For like to protest Asian American violence. Oh, what do you think about that? I think it was like kind of controversial in that, uh, you know, why would you hold this hostage uh, to, you know, I think people, people have no problems with him speaking up, but it's like, well, why would you take this away? Um, yeah. So any thoughts about that? Um, it's a strange way to protest anti-Asian violence, uh, though I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't really understand that part. I didn't really understand that, though. I think it's cool that they, that people are mentioning this stuff. I want to say this, like, uh, sorry, this is, we're trying to not be so political, but I can't, I can't help myself. No, no, no. Um, I, I, I didn't really mean to say let's not be political. No, I get it. It's spring. I don't, you know, we, we're go- we've been going hard. But I do think like this, I, I've noticed that there's a lot of people who rightfully in a way that I can understand, feel that a lot of the calling out of anti-Asian racism is performative. And oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is. It's true. I, I agree with that. But on the other hand, uh, for me, it's like, I don't really mind that at this point. And a lot of people are like, OK, what is this going to do? How is this going to accomplish anything? How is it going to make anyone safer? Maybe not. I don't know. But I think that we're we've we're literally dealing with denialism of this even being a phenomenon right like there are people who straight up are like that's it's just not a thing and the the data is not this and people are just making this shit up and you know i I, we're still dealing with like just straight up denialism so like for me no matter how performative it is or how you know in a way disconnected from my own vision of uh politics or whatever or it's still to me positive to see people publicly calling this shit out uh even celebrities and even uh you know a uh, huge ma here like i <laughs> i think it's i think it's nice that every time there is a prominent asian american or an asian american that's receiving some kind of prominent uh feature 
that they are going to that they're 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 calling that uh they're bringing that into the uh attention you know what i mean yeah but but this guy he wasn't performative he actually did something that had an impact uh which i i think i can kind of see his point if his point was all what would your life be like without asian americans oops this like this app that uh that you loved is suddenly gone. What if all you know all the other things that Asian Americans do in this country? What if they suddenly uh, disappeared? Uh, if that was his point, um, at least it did make an impact, whether you agree with it or not. So yeah. he gave he gave uh, I can read he gave some qu- quotes about it. He said, "I am temporarily suspending TurboVax." This is in a tweet. Anti Asian hate crimes are out of control. I am taking a stand because I fear for my friends and family. You can expect people to listen until you make them listen. He, he, this is, I guess, he, him telling the author of the article. Uh, you can't expect people to listen until you make them listen. I've never really been outspoken politically. I've always felt this way and have acted accordingly, but I've never shared it publicly. But I almost felt like I didn't have a choice. I was speaking out in self-preservation. Many of us could feel that this was only going to get worse, that this harassment was going to turn into violence. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, I'm... I got nothing but good things to say that he is kind of promoting that. I, I don't think I don't I don't know about whether suspending TurboVax for two days was meaningful or good idea or not, but that's his decision. It's his thing. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. seems like people tend to err on performativeness, and hey, once in a while, I guess it's nice to see uh, something that. Yeah, here, sorry, here's an interesting quote. He's a TurboVax has become the purest form of expression of myself, he wrote, the day following the murders. I think that's the murders in Atlanta, I believe. Yeah, um, I'm sure that's what he's talking about, yeah. I am Asian American. TurboVax is therefore as Asian American as anyone else. I, 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 hey, I agree with that. I mean, I've, I've long been um, of the opinion that a lot of things in America that are taken as American, like the Twin Towers, as an example, um, are actually Asian in origin, Asian American in origin, but we don't think of it that way. And so a lot of stuff just like, like stuff that's designed, stuff that's um, created and then becomes a part of American Americana, uh, like the, like the Stingray, like the Stingray Corvette. Nothing could be more American than that. Uh, was designed by an Asian American and we forget about that. And so there's a huge Asian people do end up having a big impact on the aesthetics and also just sort of like, what I mean, I guess this isn't exactly an aesthetic thing, but his point I think is really small is really important one that Asian American contribution into what's considered white, a white dominant culture is Part of that is because, you know, credit is is just taken away and people just don't retroactively understand what it is yeah. that they're looking at. I mean, at. you wrote a good so piece like- about it. Uh, we can probably link it in the show notes. It's all yeah. about the Stingray and the guy yeah. who designed it. Uh, it's, um, his credit was basically stolen from him, right? Or they're uh, trying the- to. They're trying to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, he's still tight. Larry Shinoda is still tightly associated with the Stingray, but they're... There is an active, and I think Jay Leno is part of it. There is an active campaign, I think, to get to sort of like make a correction to this, right? Because it's not seen as appropriate that something as American as the Stingray, which is the pinnacle of American car design, is associated with an Asian person. I, I think that's really motivating it. And we know Jay Leno has a history of this shit, right? He's very, 
he fucking hates Asian people. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that we have to actively guard against is this notion that like what we create and what we put out into the world, that people recognize it as Asian American. Um, I think that's thing. So what what the huge boss saying here is really quite important. Yeah, as a total aside, uh, so he designed the, the Corvettes in the 60s, right? Uh, Shinoda, yeah. yeah. He, he designed a bunch of, he designed like the, he designed a bunch of cars. Yeah. yeah I mean, mm-hmm. why did cars suddenly start looking like absolute garbage in like the 70s and 80s? I, I recently watched The Italian Job, the, the Michael <laughs> the Michael Caine version, not the, not the crappy remake. Mm-hmm. But the cars are so beautiful in that movie. You got, you yeah. got like Aston Martins and, and obviously you got a famous Mini Coopers. Uh, with the chase scene and everything, but it's just like, what the fuck happened? And then you even look at like the the Ferraris and all that, and and seriously, they, they look worse than than like like the the worst uh the Hyundai's that you know that came out in the eighties that you know everybody <laughs> shits on. And these are like Ferraris in the seventies; they look worse than that. Like what that what's going on here? The people just just run out of ideas. Like, okay, we we we've reached the pinnacle now. It's time to like deconstruct everything. I have no idea. I think you were more of a car person than me, but it was. Just- I don't know, but you're right. I think they. I I don't know if it's a combination of like, mat like going into more mass production. They're just trying to lower costs or something, and there was more foreign competition. And I, I don't know if it has to do with that, but you're right. I the cars the 80s were not a good time either. Um, Mm-hmm. though yeah i don't know you're, you're right i mean they looked a little bit more handcrafted and stuff in the 60s right oh yeah it's, it's got like the beautiful curves and everything yeah yeah oh but yeah. uh from, from this article it says he as in uh huge ma has no plans to monetize it uh although one wicked friend has been pressuring him to sell vax daddy merch uh so good guy he's, he's like a, a modern day jonas salk he's, he's not going to monetize it it's for the people Mm-hmm. Uh, the next paragraph is kind of interesting, uh, but most of all, Ma wants to get back to his normal life. He misses hollering Mr. Brightside at karaoke at Asia, Roma, and Chinatown. Very good choice in terms of karaoke song. And playing soccer without a mask, uh, his post-vaccination fantasy is the same as mine. Go to a random house party, crack open a beer, and stand around talking to my two friends the entire night. Uh, have you thought about what the thing you want to do most when people are allowed to, more than like two people are allowed to be indoors at the same time? Yeah, I just it's not that's not a bad uh way to to go back is is karaoke uh i do miss karaoke. that's been my number one uh thing i want to do yeah is karaoke mr brightside's a tough song though but uh no it's not it's pretty uh, easy i think it is uh, the killers i don't know they're i think they're kind of tough it doesn't go up but, uh, very high which is probably no the highest thing is it, the hardest songs are if it goes too high or it, it, there's usually like a rap involved because most people just have absolutely no experience doing it yeah but i th- i think it's uh I think that's why it's so popular. It's not that hard to sing. Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, that would be, that I would miss. And um, one thing I really do miss is I, I really, there's a, there's a few friends that I just want to, have been planning to visit for a while now. And uh, that requires getting on a plane. And I really would love to be able to do that. Oh, like I've been flying, on a plane. Yeah. Oh, more, okay. More of yeah. a necessity. Yeah. I had, yeah. To get a, I had to get a work visa because, uh, oh, okay, but okay. Um, yeah. It was yeah. actually kind of nice in a way because the plane was so empty. Although on the way back, it, it got a bit more full, but it, you know, I'm, I'm still here. I'm not dead, so yeah. Um, that's enough okay, for so, Hugh, that's enough for uh, Mister Mister Huge Horse. Well done, <laughs> sir. Well done, huge ass. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, next up, uh, this person has been totally lighting up Asian Twitter for the for the past few days. Sari Kim, I. 
she can I think she's angling for some media job with um Newsmax or something. She can isn't she polling at like 1% or something? I and no she idea. even lost yeah. Republican uh, Asian endorsements from yes. uh, Young Kim and Michelle Steele. I don't know who who she's playing to, except for the whole uh, maybe like just extreme, extremely online oh, right wing. Yeah, base. she's angling for a job for sure. Yeah, that's not in actual office. I don't yes. think she's. A, yeah. Yes, yeah, that's right. Uh, so, I, so yeah, so in s- case yeah, why don't you explain who this person is in case uh, people are are not on Twitter and have no idea what we're talking about? I don't know who the fuck this person is. She's running for Congress in, in I think a suburb of Dallas, right? Some yes. somewhere in Texas. And uh, never heard of her. I don't think anyone gives a shit about her. She's a nobody um, in terms of politics. Um, but she is a Korean American. I don't know where she was. But I don't really know her background other than she's like Korean American. And she posted uh or she said something i think I, I don't even know what the forum is honestly i don't know shit about really what happened other than what she said but she was at some uh either a debate or some kind of like meeting uh this article says a gop forum in arlington gop forum okay and she basically said it would be nice to actually read the quote i guess because uh, it's it's so uh, bad she said that- i don't want them here them being chinese um i don't want them here at all they steal our intellectual property they give us coronavirus they don't hold themselves accountable yeah and uh and she said uh here's a kicker and quite frankly i can say that because i'm korean which i don't know what the <sighs> hell that's supposed to mean oh, oh i think i know what that's supposed to mean <laughs> yeah oh first of all i, I for for a second when it said Arlington, I thought, isn't that where Hank Hill's from? But that's Arlen, Arlen, Texas, and I don't yeah. know if that's a, a real place. But that aside, because she's saying like her whole point is like I'm not one of the bad Asians; I'm one of the good Asians. But then she's saying me being Korean for whatever reason gives me authority to speak on Chinese people. I guess she's trying to say uh, you can hate on Chinese people without uh, being racist. Look at me, right? I'm Asian and I hate Chinese people. That's her. This, this that's is her thing, the. Right? Yeah, I think this is the last gasp of the Asian woman uh, racism shield, or or I wouldn't even want to limit to women uh, the Asian racism shield. Right, the mm-hmm. idea that uh, you know if your wife is Asian, you can't be racist. This is this is that idea taken to its sort of like f- final phase where it's just totally ridiculous now where she's basically saying like uh if you need someone to you know um push these xenophobic ideas but you're worried that the you know you're gonna get clapped back at because you're white you know i'm your woman i that's what she's saying she's in the that's exactly what the you know frankly i can say this because i'm korean it's her point there is like why why should i have this job you know, over, over some white woman. Well, it's because I'm Korean and I can say this shit and no one can call me racist. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like, and you know, she's the type that she has her GPA on her. Yeah. That was, that's the thing that made me realize, realize uh, beyond any doubt that she's not serious. uh, Cause she's really going for like virality or something and hoping to, I don't know, get get a podcast or or be on Fox News or something because it's yeah. like what what is what is that what, that yeah. <laughs> it's is that supposed to show how intelligent you are. I don't know. It's um. I think I think the right wing Asian person this is just becoming like this sort of circus barker type of uh, you know, identity and um. 
Well, yeah, we're just not very effective uh, tools against kind of identity politics, like the associated progressive identity politics. You can't trot out uh, a Sari Kim or an Andy Go and be like, hey, look how inclusive we are. Because even among progressives, they, they don't really think like having Asians is that inclusive or progressive anyway. So you can't, you can't jujitsu a move that doesn't even exist in the first place. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is just like the, what was really interesting was I was watching for this. I was actually really pleased with the response with the two, uh, with Kim and Steele coming out. They're both GOP uh, uh, congresswomen. And in the past, I would have thought that this would have been a race to the bottom in the sense that, you know, an Asian in, in, oh, sorry, come on. Every time I go to CNN, they just auto start the fucking video. There's no way to. No. It's so <laughs> okay. So, but like, I, I would not have expected in the past that, um, you know, two other Asian GOP congresswomen, congresspeople would come out and. Uh, denounce this. I figured that the two others would sort of ante up and be like, "Oh yeah, I can even be, I can be even more racist than that shit." Especially when she was couching it in terms of the CCP, right? She was like, you know, these Chinese spies, which is something that even Democrats seem to have a hard time trying to push back on, right? So long as someone uses the, you know, this is an anti-Asian. I'm just calling out China- communism. That even Democrats like an Andy Kim or something will sort of kind of distance themselves from that or, or let it let it let it pass, you know, and to, to see these two Republican congresswomen come out and just openly say this is she's just being fucking racist, I thought was really telling something that shows that the, the reaction to a lot of this stuff to the xenophobia and the anti-Asian violence does seem to be a large measure of some sort of racial solidarity, regardless of, you know, political spectrum or whatever. Uh, overall, was pretty pleased to see that. And, yeah, because they didn't have to, like, they not only said something, they they withdrew their endorsements, right? Yes. So they yeah. went beyond, just like a statement saying, yeah, she shouldn't have said that. I, I think maybe normally they would have just not said anything um mm-hmm. just try to write it out but they felt i know young kim is in california i don't know i think michelle Steele is also from california i'm, I'm not, not sure. sure uh i'm not sure where she's from I've, 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 I've honestly never heard of these people i think i heard of young kim because she's like i think she's a freshman and she's from i think i heard her name in relation to like orange county but i've never heard of michelle Steele. let me look it up yeah california California, 48th. I don't know where that is. Um, so maybe that has something to do with, you know, California, very Asian. They're they're more... Um, oh, they both look like to be Orange County. Young yeah, so they're, they're like, more, like more established there. And my, my hunch could just be that, you know, reg- even though those uh, women are conservative, they have seen that, hey, you know what? Uh, Asian Americans, you can be pretty well assimilated, a pretty big part of a state's population and still there'll be this racist shit and you can't just be thinking you can somehow accept yourself by being oh i'm, I'm one of the good ones because i'm i'm right wing or i'm all american or i'm not chinese that shit doesn't work and and they've seen it firsthand that's yeah. that's my guess yeah yeah and uh you know of course the um the another another really 
interesting twist to this was that there's like a Democrat um, who's oh, running Lydia for the Bean? same. Yeah. And <laughs> this, she's this a weird white tag woman. team. <laughs> this, this is yeah, this was amazing. So her she uh, kind of responded to this and said that she was disgusted by the comments by Siri Kim. And she said that her husband is a Chinese American and that she said she specifically said her her child is therefore a Chinese American. And that this was uh, and then she gave this whole thing about how his parents were, you know, came to Texas and started a hardware chain of hardware stores and they employed a bunch of people and they're really good people. They're really good Texans. And then she had a picture of her with her Chinese in-laws and her Chinese American husband and her Chinese American baby that the guy's holding. And I was like, okay, that's unexpected. I didn't expect that. And two Asian people in America, this is just far more interesting than I had expected. My reaction to this was like, this is fascinating. I'm just like, this is fucking fascinating that like a Korean American would say some shit about the Chinese Communist Party in an overly broad way as a way to sort of like, you know, gain entree into the world of right wing punditry uh, as a sort of weaponized immigrant figure. And then on the other side of this exact same congressional race is a white woman with a Chinese American husband uh, who's pushing against this. And this is all taking place in Texas. And I'm just like, I, I feel like this Asian American shit has gone to a new level of just fat. Just, it's just interesting. You know, like it's fucking fascinating. Well, you know, this story means Christmas has come early for certain parts of Reddit, right? It's a, it's like just tailor-made script for, uh, for some people, right? Just the, the way these, these uh pairings are are mirroring each other. Yeah, yeah. I st- I did see someone come into. I posted this on Twitter, and then someone came in saying, "Oh, this is the difference between Asian male with a white wife versus an Asian woman with a white husband." And I was <laughs> like, I mean, this that's an old debate, you know. And I'm not. There is a there's content to that debate, but I I just feel like I don't know. For me, I, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of cherry picking. You can yes, probably yes, find uh, yeah, all fair. sorts of. All sorts of things to suit your uh, things, um, but it is weird though seeing this white woman take up this role as this kind of like this mother bear figure uh, in the midst of all this anti-Asian violence. Because in New York City, it's kind of happening with Lindsay Boylan, right? With um, again this weird entanglement of of Asian Americans uh, in that uh, Andrew Cuomo is uh, beset on all sides by. As you pointed out, Korean American guys named Kim, <laughs> from Leroy Kim to Ron Kim to um, I forget the DA's name. Uh, his name is. Uh, is he also escaped. Kim? Yeah, he, I he's think a he Kim. might also be a Kim, right? No, he's yeah. a Kim. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and Lindsay Boylan was I don't know what I think she was like senior staff chief chief aide or whatever. Uh, one of the, one of the first women to come out uh, accuse him of sexual harassment, and you know with all this anti Asian violence, a lot of it going on in New York City. Her, I, I've seen her tweet things like, you know, I, I have an Asian child or children and, and you know, this is why it's wrong. In the meantime, another Asian guy, Andrew Yang, is the, the front runner for mayor. I don't, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a lot of things crisscrossing. It's, in, it's and, interesting, right? I, I just feel like Asian Americans have gone from sort of like backseat boring to sort of like weirdly entangled in, uh, as you put it, in things like city politics and stuff. I mean... When we had first started talking to Ron, Ron Kim, 
you know, it was very much like, let's talk about these sort of maybe niche things that are affecting the Asian American community. Like, yeah, the, you know, decriminalizing the, sex work in, yeah. in like Queens and all that. Yeah. Right. Like this, this was sort of like, let's give some, you know, air, let's air out some stuff that the mainstream doesn't really talk about because they don't give a shit about Asian Americans. And the next thing you know, he's at the very center of the you know this 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 sort of like complete reversal of fortune for Andrew Cuomo, and he's on the View, you know, yeah. like and shit. Like he was he was literally in a podcast studio with us, and then fast forward, <laughs> he's like on the View talking to them about Andrew Cuomo's abusive behavior and shit. And I'm like, the, the, that 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 was another example I think of how weirdly Asians have taken. Uh, have become sort of front and center, but in a very not in a not in a crazy rich Asian sort of like oh everyone's celebrating us kind of way, but in a more entangled in politics, entangled in pa- like power struggles and just straight up fucking drama. Yeah, and, wasn't uh, it last mm-hmm. year when the first kind of targetings of Asian Americans, you know, when COVID hit started happening? Wasn't it like David Chang who tweeted? You know, I missed being invisible when we were invisible or something like that. I think it was yeah, him. I think, I think so. Yeah, did. I remember that. Yeah, but I, I think it, I think it completely is. Uh, it mirrors the rise of China being at the at being number one issue for pretty much every country in the world now. And and like Asian Americans, are, I think, are getting dragged along with this. I mean, if if Atlanta, the murders in Atlanta, put us uh, in front of the racial dialogue for like the first time since I I don't know like. Insanity. That, that's like the last time I can think of when people actually started saying, "Hey, maybe there's some shit happening to Asians that we should talk about at, on a national stage." And yeah. even that was just it was, it was just sports, right? I mean, you might have to go back to like Vincent Chin for it to to be like a life or death matter, and and all that can trace its roots to just geopolitics, uh, whether it's COVID or whether it's uh, you know, Xinjiang, uh, with the Belt and Road Initiative, or just the u.s uh being very insecure about the inevitable loss of you know undisputed number one status it's it's like the it's that's the way it's going to be from now on probably for asian americans we're actually going to be very visible and much more central to a lot of stuff whether it's good or bullshit i think that's a triggering event but i think that if asian americans were still just sort of like relegated to uh, you know, just not being players at all. And I think Jess has brought this up. Maybe we should talk to Jess about this at some later point. But she she'd been long long saying, if you recall, that in a way, like the our self conception or the popular conception of Asian Americans is actually well behind the level of entanglement and you know what Asian Americans really are is in a way a lot more. Um, I don't know what the word is, but there's a lot more to it than than our our conception of it uh would allow and i feel like what you're saying about you know the this contest with china i feel like it's expo- it's bringing out those entanglements or whatever back into the light like the idea that there could be a Siri Kim being called out by two, not one, but two Republican Congress, Republican Congresswomen who are Asian <laughs> that have of the same her. ethnicity as well of the same ethnicity. I think they're both Korean, right? Yeah. yeah. Like that's really interesting. And then to have a, 
you know, the the Democratic challenge to her have uh, Chinese in-laws, <laughs> you know, like that's really you mean a Chinese spouse. Like her husband's yeah, Chinese, Chinese spouse, yeah, Chinese yeah. spouse, Chinese in-laws, and then what she considers a Chinese American child, and like it, it, it's it's bring like okay, so her statement was caused by this this you know xenophobia thing, but then the reaction to it, which made it so interesting, is the result of an Asian American entanglement into American society that I don't think we've appreciated thus far and i think that in a way like you you all like you and eliza and steve talk talked about this on that minari episode uh of unverified accounts where you guys were like you know are we ever going to get away from these sort of like kind of like blandly responsible sort of asian american stories like you know and i was and i was talking to this uh with my girlfriend the other day i was like Real Asian American stories are like fucking crazy. They're so interesting. Asian American people are fucking crazy. Yeah, you that's know, that's like, exactly I think the the next stage of our culture is um we we have had this obsession with feeling good about ourselves, wanting to be humanized, uh wanting to feel like we belong, but just take a look at Asia. We're, we're fucking crazy. Uh, we we kill millions and millions of people. We um we do all sorts of like perverted shit. You know when when's that that didn't go away. You know among Asian Americans didn't get like bread out of us <laughs> when we crossed <laughs> when we crossed the Pacific. Um, <laughs> it's still there, and I want to see it at least um artistically portrayed. I don't want people doing that in real life. You know, yeah, but- I think that's 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 the key. I think that you know on this does does life imitate art or does art imitate life? I think that with Asian Americans, I feel like the art needs to imitate life a little bit more because it's far more interesting. The yeah. reality is far more interesting than the fiction. Yeah, for sure. I think the fiction is fucking boring. And, and, and we talked with uh, Trevor for a while about that um, Aro Kwan piece about, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it was a typical thing where it's like, Oh, you know, I'm just this really boring, you know, uh, repressed Asian, Asian girl in America, but there's a secret side of me. That's just nuts. But the part about her being nuts in secret was actually super fucking boring. Yeah, it's and the reality of what Asian people King actually Dungeon, are like is yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it's fucking fascinating. So, uh, speaking of Asian American culture, I'll, I'll just do a little plug for the unverified accounts. We uh, we watched and we're gonna talk about Boogie, the new Eddie Huang movie. Oh, it fucking sucked. Uh, it was sucks, just yeah. um, well, just listen to the pod to find out more. But I, I think watching that movie made me firmly realize that there's certain like tropes uh that asian americans use that really either have to be just retired or or just evolve somehow we, we can't be we can't be just doing the same shit over and over again um but yeah so if you want to find out why uh listen to our upcoming pod it'll be released in a, in a day or two all right well we'll move on to our final part of this pod which we'll talk about a couple of hapa athletes one's canadian one's american both of whom have decided to represent china their names are Nina Schultz and Eileen Gu. And there was actually quite a bit of controversy about Nina Schultz. And uh, Andre Domis brought this to our attention uh, on Twitter. But so Nina Schultz got, there was an article written about her in the National Post, which I believe is is more of a right-wing Canadian paper. And she, I think on um, on Instagram, she, she called out this reporter who kept uh, basically basically called her short of being a traitor, uh, saying that when athletes switch uh, the countries they represent for, 
uh, it's a big deal. And, you know, given the increasingly tense uh, relations between Canada and China, this is something that's like a like an apocal event uh, in, in, in international relations. And she's just like, I'm, she, for the way, she's a heptathy. Okay. If she were like, say an ice hockey player, then okay. Uh, that's, but the heptathy, I like, barely even those people don't even know what that is. And, uh, for, for him to go after her like this and, uh, just anyway. Yeah. So I, I think this, this reveals a lot, I think just about just anxieties over, well, you know, when, you, you know, like, you know, Western side, they, they love, they love hoppers and then uh but only to a certain point and when they like go the wrong way i, th- I think it exposes a lot of just like a lot of psychosexual shit that anyway um your thoughts uh that was a pretty bad article there was um i'm looking at the national post article and it said that um who are they quoting here uh ivy <laughs> Quoting Ivy Lee of Canadian Friends of Hong Kong, Jesus Christ. Uh, given that her both her parents, or this is the National Post reporting this, like given both her grandparents were prominent sporting reps of China, uh, it's likely that Schultz, knowingly or not, was a target of the United Front Work Department, the party branch that strives to influence ethnic Chinese in other countries, said Ivy Lee of Canadian Friends of Hong Kong. With a family background like hers, she would be monitored and worked on by the UF. WD, argued Lee, who helped organize a recent petition calling for a boycott of the 22 Winter Olympics in Beijing. If her grandparents are still living in the People's Republic, that explains even more. The Canadian family would no doubt have been closely watched. So this is, uh, you know, super fucking disturbing, right? Uh, just like, like here, uh, Lee acknowledged that young elite athletes are highly focused on their sport and that Schultz may not have had the time or interest to read about human rights abuses in China. But she added, if this young lady had the chance to read these reports, especially of the terrible systemic rape and torture of Uyghur women, I'm wondering, would she still want to represent the PRC? Like, I, I, it, it, this is this is a, a, just a seriously sore point for like Canada or something. And, and there's some connection between you know, some sort of like anti-communist, like uh, diaspora that's now constantly connected and usually something like Friends of Hong Kong, like something that's very like pro Hong Kong separatist or, you know, pro Uyghur separatist that are trying to masquerade as sort of like these left wing or, or, or liberal human rights groups but that keep and they, they just constantly end up connecting with the right wing uh, with, with, mm-hmm. with sort of like the Steve Bannons of the world, you know, and, or the, and, and they're, and they're quoted in the national post and stuff. And it's disgusting. I don't know. I read this shit and it's just fucking disgusting. And it makes me feel like Schultz's decision to, I think she even, she actually naturalizes a Chinese citizen, right? That, I can understand why they, they would want to do that. I mean, especially for an athlete, I think as a pentathlete, pentathlete or whatever that is. Heptathlete. Like, heptathlete. She, she's going to not get much attention in Canada. And I think that a lot of this, and I think we could talk about Eileen Gu too. Uh, a lot of this is like carrot and stick. Like there's just so much xenophobia and fucking racism. And a young woman like either Eileen Gu or... Uh, Nina Schultz 
doubtless understands the kind of fucked up racism that's directed at Asian women in Canada and America. And that that's one, that's the, that's the stick, you know, that's like, that's giving you reason to, you know, wonder about, you know, wearing the Canadian or American flag. And the other is just like how much China represents as a new, as an opportunity where that is no longer a liability being like Asian or part Asian is not a liability, but, um, you know, not a reason for people to not pay attention to you, but, you know, a huge reason for people to care and to support. So. That, yeah, yeah. This whole fe- thing feels like the whole, uh, like the whole lamentation over the loss of China, but in a much more, uh, it, like personal form, you know, mm-hmm. if you if America always envisions China as this like feminine uh, entity that they lost control over, to which they felt entitled, then losing, uh, you know, quote unquote, losing these Hapa uh, female athletes, and I do think their gender is important here. I don't oh, it, know. It, it absolutely is important. I don't know yeah. if there would have been as much just visceral uh unset like feeling of unsettlement if they had been male i, yeah, I mean no i think that i think that the the counter example to this is chloe kim uh who represented the us but in korea right mm-hmm. and if you if you looked at the way i mean her the amount of attention paid to chloe kim versus the amount of attention paid to these two athletes is night and day chloe kim was like the hottest name in 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 sports for for a while there and a lot of that narrative was as a way to promote the sort of like progressive like attitudes about women in America that a Chloe Kim, this young Asian girl could achieve such, you know, could achieve such fame and uh, prominence in America. And it was, in my opinion, kind of a way to flex on Korea to be like, a young Korean woman has a much better chance to make something of herself in America than if she stayed in Korea. I felt like she was just a long, like she was just a huge PR campaign for America uh, during the PyeongChang Olympics. Or, or I saw it more as a flex on China. It's like trying to tell Koreans why you should stay a U.S. ally, not drift over to China. Because, hey, we're just, we're such a great country that... Um, you can come here, especially as a woman, and be uh, a superstar. Whereas if you went to China, uh, they would like rape or rape you or something like that. I mean, that's probably underlying it. Yeah, but the the goal being like the the idea being that America. This is an American PR victory. Chloe Kim was an American PR victory. Yeah, I like in in the big scheme of yeah. things, like going back decades, it's always uh, a sign. You know, people of the world come here, uh, especially women, and whether uh, and you know, w- saving women is always used as a justification, either for just outright invading countries and bombing them, or just more like you know, softly undermining other governments and yeah. things like that. I think even deeper than China is the notion of being Asian. Mm-hmm. Uh, that China represents the sort of like the, the sort of, that's the, that's the pole representing like, you know, super fucking Asian and Japan is, you know, the, the, the notion of an Asia, of an Asian race that can move closer to the West. And if there, there's a famous, um, there's a famous 
point in time where, or there's a well-known point in time when, when Japan was like openly debating this idea of abandoning both China and Korea as sort of these backwards Asian races and being forced to embrace. Yeah. There was some famous writer, I forget his name, but it wasn't it something like, like it's time to leave Asia. Uh, yeah. It's called Datsuoron. And it's by uh, Fukuzawa Yukichi. I think we can link it. And yeah, it's an explicit, uh, it's, it was written in like, I think the 19th century, 1885, yeah, during Meiji Japan. And um, it's called Datsuoron. And it's about sort of, it's called Goodbye Asia. It's shedding Asia and saying that Japan needs to embrace Westernization and leave behind specifically China and Korea as, you know, unassimilable, uh, you know, Oriental cultures that are going to uh, be, you know, swept into the dustbin of history. And and I, I think that's still kind of happening to this day with, with that. I, I feel like with... In a, but in a much weaker form, I feel like with Chloe Kim, there was this idea that this is, you know, you want to be like us. You, the Koreans want to, you, you need to be more like us and look how cool we were. We're, we're cooler than you. We can create these, you know, super viral athletes like Chloe Kim. And, um, and I think there was also this sort of, do you remember like in the beginning, in the, in the sort of opening ceremony where one of the, uh, when the Japanese delegate delegation came out and the and the commentator was like, "Oh, and here comes Japan, to whom Korea owes so much of their culture." <laughs> they said that. Oh, I told. Oh, yeah, he got that. fired for that. Actually, it was oh. a huge. The Japan, the the uh, Korean Koreans who watched that had had called it that shit out. But yeah, there's the, there is a sort of uh, desire to Japanify. I think Korea in particular as uh, the next sort of like model Asian race that is going to move away from. The, the sort of hopeless orientalism of china you know mm-hmm. yeah so when you consider that mindset these uh athletes are like the anti-chloe kims they are going in the wrong direction um and unlike chloe kim they're not even full asian they're actually half white and for them to actually have that choice um i I don't know. I mean, Nino Schultz is like pretty white passing. I don't know what Eileen Gu looks like, but uh, you know, they're they probably can't pass for full white, but they uh, they probably look less Asian than a full Asian person. And for them to have that option and to reject it and to go to the the Asian country and not just any Asian country, but the most unassimilable, purest uh, distillation of Asianness of all them all, China. Is and for them to be women as well, the gender that is supposed to be rescued from from the from the East, uh, I, I think it just makes their it breaks their brains and it, it it that like old guy who who um who went after Nina Schultz he's that's why he's so panicked he's just like oh yeah yeah or or they'll have to accuse them of having been brainwashed by you know the United Front United Front yeah. or whatever arm of the CCP. It's funny that that Ivy League person was like, oh, but is she aware of all this? Uh, given the new saturation of all that, I'm pretty sure she's heard of it. <laughs> no, yeah. it's totally <laughs> it's actually, I don't and, care. And it's two-way. I mean, the interesting thing is not only – because I think like part of this definitely has to do with, uh, you know, the there, there's a lot of economic – there's a lot of like endorsement opportunities and, and just in general like – being oh, a much sure. bigger deal in China than they would otherwise oh, for sure. like, if they stayed, you know. Like, as I said, a heptathlete, I, I bet people don't even know how many how many like sports that is. 
Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, so you're not gonna you're not really gonna even like Olympic uh gold medalists can't really make a living off of that. Mm-hmm. So, but hey, you go to China, even um even probably you rack up a few endorsements, be like a mid level celebrity athlete, it's probably be way more lucrative than than in than here and. Maybe maybe that's what it's all about. Maybe it's not really about her feeling her Asian uh, roots or anything. Maybe it's just a money thing. But even then, that's that's gonna have a huge influence in just just global society as a general in general. Like, how many people really love America versus they come here just to you know make a decent living? And and if the making a decent living happened to be in China, how many people would actually would just be like buy America? <laughs> and yeah, I, I think that's yeah. what freaks them out. Like no, nobody has any real. What, who's to say what real like patriotism really is? In the end, people might just, you know, they're just looking for like a good situation for themselves. Yeah, I think with Eileen Gu in particular, she, uh, this is this one really hurts Americans, uh, American brains, I think, and American pride, because <laughs> she could, she could very well have been the Chloe Kim of China. Uh, or of the Chinese Olympic, uh, China, because it just so happens that the the next Winter Games are going to be in Beijing. Oh yeah, right, yeah, right. So you've got like a virtual complete repeat of what happened in Pyeongchang with uh, with Chloe Kim, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got now a Chinese American uh, 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 skier. I guess Chloe Kim was a snowboarder. She's a skier. And she can go to China representing America and run the same kind of flex to say like. Yeah, except it's know, going to be like a hundred times worse, right? Because like with, with Korea oh is at least an ally. China yes. is is not. So yeah, to say the least. So it could have, I mean, they could have really, really used her uh, to make a international case as to, you know, why America represents sort of like, you know, modernity, uh, the liberation of women, uh, you know, sporting excellence, just overall diversity, tolerance, all this stuff. I mean, what better way? And especially with someone named Eileen Gu, uh, but who's like half white, right? Like, it's just perfect. And then, you know, it just not not only does she say, no, I'd rather represent China because there's better alternatives uh, or there's better opportunities for me there. But like and I'm reading the South China Morning Post uh, article about this. I mean, she this entire thing is about her uh, being afraid of living in America and in, in San Francisco. She's from San Francisco and she was talking about being in a in a in a in a pharmacy with her grandmother and some guy comes in screaming profanities about Asian people and she was scared for her life and for her grandmother. And she starts talking about how she's really identified with BLM and basically like saying that America's really fucked up. There's a lot of problems in America. This is really terrible. And then I don't know if that's directly linked with her wanting to represent China, but this is, this is a PR fucking disaster where I'm sure she made up her win. Yeah. I'm sure she made up her mind before, but that certainly didn't help and also provides a perfect cover story because you can't really call her out because it's true. All this violence right. is happening. All this xenophobia is happening. And it's not like it suddenly came about. It has been going on historically for a long time. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I guess the Americans will have to settle for like Nathan Chen. You know, he's Chinese, right? Um, yeah. And, but again, I think it's a gender thing. I don't think it's the same with Asian men. That it's it it doesn't provide that same satisfying flex. Um, I don't think so. I mean, yeah. you you I think were you the one who tweeted that thing about Stephen Hawking? 
Yes. With that, with that creepy ass uh, remark he <laughs> yeah. made like in 2006. I like Chinese culture and above all, I like Chinese women. Yeah, it, it, it's that mindset, the food and women mindset. And yeah, I, I guess if, if like Nathan Chen wins gold or whatever, it, it'll be nice. But I, I think I think they need a woman to do it. It's And, and then they can yeah. they can work the whole like white feminist, you know, they can appeal to white feminists and the whole like social justice people. Um, but I guess they lost their, their ace. I mean, I think part of this is like, to an extent, you know, you see these young, uh, young athletes who have, you know, just sort of like the world in front of them, like that, you know, the world is their oyster, they're like star athletes and something that's very youth culture oriented, like, you know, the X Games uh, style of winter sports. And they're, they're sort of like celebrity athletes. And they're young, attractive women, and they basically can pick from a number of opportunities. And roughly speaking, it's kind of like us or them. And, and in every case, I feel like in America, we've just assumed that that's what was going on. There was a choice to be made. And of course, without a doubt, you would choose America. Like you would this, you know, given a choice that becoming, you know, famous in America is the way to go. Yeah, no brainer, right? Yeah. It's a no brainer. It's it, and it's the 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 it's not even a choice. It's just sort of like how do I put it? It's an assumption that that's what you would do. And to see that break like this, and not just once, but with two people is I think it's a lot to take. I think yeah. I think especially in the wake of Chloe Kim happening not very long ago, you know, less than 4 years ago, the turnaround from Chloe Kim to Eileen Gu and and um, Nina Schultz is almost like traumatic, you know, for people who really believe in American exceptionalism. Yeah, in years past, going to Asia is what you did when you couldn't hack it here. If you were like Asian American and you knew you couldn't make it, a, say, like a singer, what did you do? You went to Hong Kong or Korea, become a pop star there. Maybe if you became the greatest of all time there, they might accept you here and become, I don't know, like a B-list celebrity or something. Or if you're a white person uh, or like Hollywood celebrity, you, you go there and quietly make commercials or make some bad movies for a quick cash thing because, you know, that was the, with the minor leagues and you were slumming it there. But and and people were so used to that, and this is such a such a like strike in the face of of that kind of thinking. This is why I think Americans just don't like soccer. It, it has nothing to do with people are often like, oh yeah, the reason is because soccer doesn't have TV timeouts, and so we can't broadcast it. And stuff. No, it's total bullshit. I, I don't think that's it. I think it is basically like, how could America America mass market soccer without admitting that we're a backwater? You know, Americans like, can't stand the fact that they're when they go to the World Cup, their biggest rival is Ghana. Right. It's right. not Brazil. It's not Spain. It's Ghana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they can't if they get to the World Cup at all, which they didn't in 2018, hilariously. Right. And it's funny you bring up soccer because guess what the the latest American like the American team is actually kind of good now. I mean, at mm-hmm. least on on individually, like they got some quite good players. But the the way they got those players is they basically poached them from people who were like born in Europe or had dual citizenships and all that. So it's like, it's not that different than what kind of China is doing right now. Yes. Uh, but yeah. So I, it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it, It's just really hard for America to let go of its centrality 
It just mm-hmm. being just being like the center of the universe, you know, there's just a sort of it's just hard to feel like that's you're losing that. And and I think part of it is it's not just Americans we have very high standards. Like we're the best and we just we can't accept anything less than the best. I think we understand deeply that we don't really deserve to be number one. <laughs> we understand that like, you know, like our culture kind of sucks, right? Like we kind of understand that like our food kind of sucks. Our, you know, cities kind of suck. We kind of understand that like in the scheme of things, like we're just not that great. But on the other hand, we're just, we, we are still dominant. And when you lose that dominance, I feel like we just don't have anything else to fall back on. And that's, I think that scares us. Well, I think that's why people have become increasingly reliant on on this intangible sense of greatness because nothing on the stats uh, shows it. So it's like it's like let's say you're, you're a fading athlete, but they say, oh, you know what? He, he just got that clutch gene, or he just has that will to win. That's really just bogus because like. All the stats show, oh, your goals are down, your efficiency rating is the, down. The intangibles. Um, you're, you're slower, uh, noticeably slower. Yeah, all, all the actual measurables are down. So you're clinging on to this, this uh, like myth about yourself. Yeah, and the then mystique. The mystique. And, and the, the problem with mystique is that it's not real and it's easy to – once you unsee it, you can't see it again. And right. that's I – th- I think – well, obviously, yeah, COVID, I think, was, was a huge like pulling of the curtain – uh, and yeah, and, and I think that's what that's what we're seeing now. I think COVID and Trump together. I mean, it was a, just oh, yeah, a yeah. double, double, triple whammy. Yeah. Of- no, I, I think Trump was the big one. I think yeah. Trump was the big one. I mean, COVID mm-hmm. was actually more serious in terms of actual number of deaths, uh, economic impact, all that stuff. But but psychologically, I do think Trump was the the great unveiling, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a hard time. It's a hard time. I'm not, not going to lie. It's it's not an easy time to be an American, especially if uh, uh, part of part of that was a lot of arrogance and self centeredness, uh, and the belief that you were. I think part of it is the belief that you're living your best, the best life. That that your life in America, despite all of the fucking bullshit and all of the sh- terrible things about living here. Nevertheless, this is the best place, and it and it, it would be evidence. I, I think a Chloe Kim is evidence of that. It's evidence that you know, no, okay, Asia may be on the rise, but you know, a young girl with every with with the you know her whole life ahead of her would do much better to choose us over them. That was a, I think that was a big part of why it's these young women in sports that seem to be at the center of these kinds of controversies, because those kind of represent a choice uh, that people care a lot about, you know, what do, what do young women, what would they choose? Mm-hmm. And um, in a way, I think that like, you're right. I think that almost does matter more than what a, a man would choose. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just further evidence of, to the extent that they choose America, that American dominance and centrality and relevance this is the best life you are, you know, we are living the best life possible here in America. And once you, like you said, once that goes away and we don't have the tangibles to prove that's true, like we're, what, what did the, what came out recently after the infrastructure bill came out, even in fucking infrastructure, we're number 15, you know, like infrastructure, <laughs> like, Jesus, yeah. you know, they're without the tangibles. Um, we got nothing. 
we we have to really think of ourselves as like really kind of bringing up the rear uh you know in the world now and it's terrifying I think it's somewhere on Twitter. I recently saw someone post like, if if the average American actually got a real sense of how a lot of people in say Asia were living, there'd be riots on the streets. Like, what the fuck? You know, you know, why can't our government do this or that? So, yeah, it's best to keep the people uh, thinking happy thoughts. Uh, if you're like, say, the American government, keep yeah. them from I mean, rioting you, in the streets. How do you feel about that? Because I think a lot of people that I that I know on like uh, social media or that I follow on social media. They're kind of like like minded as us. They get really annoyed. They get really upset about the Western media's sort of bias in this regard, the sort of American exceptionalism. And to me, I mean, I think the I think the proper term is copium. I think copium is the right yeah. term for it. Um, do you get mad at it or what? Because I, I I'm at this point kind of expecting it, and I don't. I'm just it. It just kind of reinforces my understanding of what's going on. Um, I think as long as like Asian Americans kind of see through it. I think that's the most important thing. I don't want Asian Americans to buy into it. But as I said, so, sometimes it might just be helpful to keep peace and order for for a little bit. Uh, you know, just just to let the people think what they want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if only for for a little bit, especially in in these most dangerous of times. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I, I I don't want a whole generation of Asian Americans like hating themselves or whatever because they honestly believe the shit. They they read, but you know if if we can kind of know amongst ourselves, yeah, just, you know, just just let them, just, you know, let, let, let the baby have their bottle, kind of thing. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, yes, yes. Yeah, fuck it. Let them let them believe. I don't give a shit. <laughs> All right. Okay, anyway. so we're we're yeah. at a little over an hour. I uh, mm-hmm. think um, we talked. We hit the topics we wanted to to hit on this fine Sunday yeah. afternoon. Yep. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. All right. So great talking to you, Teen. And uh-huh. listeners, we will be back later this week with our bonus episode for our Patreons. And and as I said, next week, next Monday, uh, we will probably be doing our first live stream. We will have more information about that as the week goes on. I'll mark that on your calendar. What's that going to be on, like YouTube? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we will find us on YouTube, announce right? that more solidly once we figure everything out. But mark your mark that date down. Uh, Monday night next week. All right. Uh, Join us next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.